Hi everyone and welcome along to the Celtic View podcast. I'm Ryan Marne. Today I'm joined by our editor, Paul Cuddy. Paul, how are you? I'm very well, I'm very well. Obviously, uh, after the weekend results at Hamden, very, very well. I know, we'll, we'll get on to, to all of that. Um, first of all, just to give everyone a bit of a, an update about the podcast. Um, the podcast is going to be a, a five-episode series that will be coming out every Monday, so make sure you're always keeping up to date with it on Mondays so you know exactly when it's coming out and basically what we're going to be doing is we're going to be detailing all of the the great exclusive interviews and features that we have in this year's Celtic View Christmas edition which I can show you here is this is what it's going to look like and Paul the magazine's coming out this week and can be pre-ordered from today. Yeah well I mean it's, it's a way it's getting printed as we speak so it will be in the Celtic stores from Friday but you can order it online just now to make sure that you don't miss out because it is the perfect stocking filler. Yep, and it's um, and it's exciting times as well. It must be great when you're working so hard on the magazine over the, the last couple of months to kind of see it finally come to fruition this week. Yeah, I mean, obviously it's, it's a different Celtic view this season because we've gone to the quarterly. So we had the first one at the start of the season and then we wanted to do something special for Christmas. The Christmas issue, the, the view is always a, a really popular one. I, I mean, all joking aside, I think people do put it in as a, as a stocking filler. So we've tried to put plenty of stuff in there that should keep people entertained over the, the festive period. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. So you mentioned there about the weekend's action. Let's let's get right into it. Obviously, beat St. Johnson 1-0 thanks to a James Forrest goal. We've got another cup final to look forward to as well. Um, semi-finals sometimes aren't the, the most exciting of games, but we got there in the end. Yeah, I mean, I think... I think for everyone, as fans, you get you kind of get nervous as well during the game, particularly when we started off like a house on fire and I thought we were going to run over the top of St. Johnson. I mean, Jota in those opening 10 minutes was just unbelievable. Yeah. But to St. Johnson, to be fair to them, and you know, they, they won the two cups last season, they kind of know how to, to play in cup ties, so they made it difficult for us. But as you say, as long as you're in the final, that's the, the most important thing. And, you know, we're one step closer to a first trophy under Ange. Mm. And we need to talk about James Forrest as well. I mean, h- how many times has he popped up at the right moment to, to provide a big goal? I mean, it's incredible. I think when he was out last season, and I think that's maybe the first time people realised if you take his goals and assists out of the team, I mean, that's upwards of 30 goals yeah, that the team's missing. He's such a big player and... You know, the, the number of times, you've lost count the number of times at Hamden, he just steps up to the, to the plate. And I think for the manager to have a player of his quality that you can call on when, when things are a bit tight, and he just he just brings something and he just he is a big game player and it was brilliant to see him scoring. He, he just, you've always got confidence when, when Forrest is on the park. You always know he's got that goal in him, he's got that opportunity. He, he very, very rarely has an under 7 out of 10 performance, does he? Yeah, and I think, I mean... It's actually, when you see him, you think, it's hard. you have to remind yourself that he's 30 now. I mean, he's, he's the, one of the veterans of the team. He's, he's so experienced. And I think in these big games, that's, that's when you can call on a player like that. When it's just the, the difference between either the game going to extra time and penalties and us winning in 90 minutes. Yeah. It's someone like him. It's just almost instinctively he knows where to be when that ball's in the middle of, you know, in the, middle of the goal. He's the guy that pounces and it was brilliant to see. Well, obviously, we'll face Hibs in the final. There's a lot of football to be played between now and then, so I'm not going to ask for a prediction yet because a lot can change in that time. But things seem to be progressing quite nicely at the moment. Well, what I'd like to say is 
and I, I've, I've banged on about this for years and years. When Celtic play Hibs, it should be a battle of the Greens. <laughs> Both sides. That's that, When I grew up, my first cup final was the 1972 Scottish Cup final, Celtic Hibs. We won 6-1 and everything at Hamden was green and white that day. There is no clash of colours. So I think it would be, it's a Bertie old final, it's two of his teams. It's fitting that, yeah, and it should be yeah. fitting that, that we both play in our home kits. I know it won't happen, but I'm, I'm going <laughs> to... start started a petition? Well, I'm going to start it this morning, actually, and you're going to get fed up with me just going on about this. <laughs> That'll be it for the next, like, three, four weeks until whenever the final is. Um, now, let's get into our first uh, exclusive interview that we've got. Um, and who else to start with but the manager, Anne, who you spoke to during the international break? Yeah, I mean, and we wanted to, to kind of talk to him a wee bit about the football, but also just about the fact that this is going to be his first Christmas in Scotland. It's obviously a big contrast to Christmases growing up in Australia. But I think even in the course of the interview, he talks about how even when he was in Japan, maybe the festive period isn't celebrated in quite the same way, or certainly not in a traditional way that we would be used to here or even in Australia. And so that was quite interesting to, for him to talk about, but also the fact that this period of the year in terms of football is so busy. I mean, that was the semi-final, that's the first of 12 games between mm. now and the start of 2022. So there's a lot of demands, it's going to be a busy period, but I think it's one that he's looking forward to. But also I think him and his family are looking forward to a kind of traditional Scottish Christmas, including the, the cold weather. Of course, I know. So let's, let's hear from the manager now. Here's Ange Postacoglu. And in terms of the, when this, the Celtic view comes out, we'll have 11 games to play between then and uh, the start of the, the new year. That's probably as busy a schedule as, as any team, any manager is going to have to deal with. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's sort of been uh, uh, on the horizon. I've kind of put off looking at it too closely for a little while, but this international break, I've had a good look at it. And uh, yeah, there's some... There's a lot of games in significant uh, um, period for us uh, in many respects. So, um, yeah, it's one we've, you know, we're going to have to um, work our way through and, and try and keep improving our football, knowing that, um, you know, we're, we're going to have to maintain a, a real high level of consistency if we want to, you know, um, keep making inroads in, in all the competitions. So, um, yeah, significant period, but I think the players will enjoy it. Um, you know, all those kind of things in the context of, you know, if you're doing well, then you, you love playing games, and that's what we're going to ensure we do. And for some of the new players as well, it'll be a new experience of them having to train on Christmas Day, for example, with a, a game in Boxing Day. I suppose that's just part of the parcel of, of being a footballer in certain countries. Yeah, that's right. And, um, you know, I think for the most part, players, you know, accept that, that, that's um, part, you know, we, we kind of like to think that we've, you know, you, you're kind of, we're almost like an extended family here, so you kind of have, you know, Christmas morning with your real family and then you, you share it with your Celtic family in the afternoon and, um, you know, that's the responsibility we have. Um, as I keep saying, we're all, I think we're all in a privileged position of doing what we love and we're passionate about and um, these things that come along that maybe you know, other people don't normally have to contend with. Um, I think a, a small price to pay for for, for what we do, and, and um, you know, I'm sure the players will, will embrace all that aspect of it. Because uh, traditionally, the, the Boxing Day games it's always a, a popular favourite. I think with fans because they get to spend Christmas Day celebrating and kind of carry that on. Carries the next on, day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we we just got to make sure we don't spoil people's Christmas. That's 
um, you know. No pressure. No, no, pressure on Santa Claus and us just to make sure Christmas <laughs> runs smooth every year, so yeah. So that was Ange Postacoglu there, and remember with, with all the interviews that will be shown in this podcast, you can read the full version of them in the, the Celtic View this year, so make sure you get yourself a copy of that to, to read the rest of that interview, but... Paul, how have you how have you found the manager since he's come in? You've obviously done lots of interviews with him as well. How have you found him as a person, as a and as a character? I mean, he's been he's been brilliant to deal with. I think from day one, um, I, what I like about him is he's because you always come away from the interviews having spoken to him, and you just think, God, I really hope he does well because he's such a good guy. But I think he what I like about him he doesn't you know maybe in the early days when the things were maybe a wee bit ropey. He doesn't get too worried about it. He's, he's very in a very even keel. So I think that calmness, I'm guessing, that gets passed on to the players in the dressing room. And I think that's why, you know, as, as each week and each month has passed by, you can just see that there's there's something happening here. But I think he's he's really he's really interesting to talk to. You know, when you we spoke to him before about growing up in Australia and you know where he got this idea of the type of football he wanted to play. It was from his dad and the football that they would watch in the middle of the night, getting up to watch games from Europe. And I think this one, when talking about, you know, growing up in Australia and Christmas, is, as, as we, you know, would expect, was, you know, either on the beach or barbecues outside. <laughs> and just the insights like that are absolutely fascinating. But, you know, the fact that he's a good guy, I think, does help. But obviously, I think he's the first, he would be the first to acknowledge that actually it's what happens on the pitch. And I think that's what's exciting more than anything else, that... You can see the type of football that we're playing, the type of players that he wants to bring in that get you up off your seat and, and want to, to come and see the team. And, and So that for me, that's the really exciting thing. Mm-hmm. Would you swap a Christmas on the beach for our cold Christmases here? Uh, yes. <laughs> I, think, I think everyone would. Um, now, let's get on to our, our first discussion point. So each week we're going to take a feature that's in the magazine and we're going to discuss it a little bit further. And this is where we want you to get involved as well. So... This week, we've got a feature in the, the magazine this year about last-minute goals, and we have a DVD coming out for that as well. So I thought I'd put it to you, Paul. Tell us about some of your favourite last-minute goals. Is there one in particular that stands out? I mean, it's, they're so synonymous with, with Celtic, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, I think in recent years, I, I think if you asked every Celtic fan, then the, the goal that immediately springs to mind in recent years was Tom Rogic's mm. goal to, to clinch the invincible treble. And I think every time when you... When you talk about that goal, you just let the hairs in the back of your, your neck oh, stand yeah. up because it was just an incredible moment. It was a perfect moment. Prior to that, for me, uh, I'm slightly older than you, that <laughs> I can remember the centenary season. The, obviously, Frank McIverney's late winner for the final, but even in the semi-final, we were losing 1-0 to Hearts and we scored two goals in injury time, basically, to, to win. And that, that season, for me, at that age, that was when I was kind of aware of you know, that never say die attitude, the, fact, the number of times that we did rescue points and, and get wins just because the team kept going to the final whistle. And I think that's that's part of the tradition of, of Celtic. So th- those for me were, were great moments, but it's hard to, it's hard, hard There's to get so beyond many, Tom though, isn't there? There's just, and that, that Tom Rogers, I think because of the, the sense of emotion around it all as well, going for the invincible treble, and just the, the way the game was panning out, where... I can't. I'm. I was so nervous in the stand watching that game, and just to get it over the line was just was just incredible. I mean, I think for me, one of the standout ones, and it's again a, a recent one as well, was Olivier and Chams um, against Lazio in Rome, 
and almost for different reasons because I think with the the Aberdeen game for that invincible season there was almost a sort of expectation that we need to get this over the line whereas I feel like for the Lazio game we probably could have, would have went away with a draw being quite happy with it and then to get that moment at the end was just was just incredible and I remember I was in the away end that day and we were in the stadium for a good hour and a half after the match, locked in, and it felt like 10 minutes, you know, singing and dancing. That was a really incredible one. But I think another standout one for me as well is Jan Venegura Hesslinks against Rangers here, um, Gordon Strachan's 2007-2008 season, where we played, I think we played Rangers twice in back-to-back, right, and yeah. we had to win both games, otherwise the league would have been over. And Hesslink popped up in injury time to get the winner, and then we go on and beat Rangers again a few days later. We go on and, and win the title as well. And the year that obviously Tommy Burns has sadly passed as well, which meant so much to the club. I think that was a, a really a really important one, really big one. But there's just been so many. That's the yeah. amazing thing. Because the other thing of that era, it's not so much a last gas goal, but I always think it's amazing. And I think we've maybe chatted about this in the office of you know Nakamura's goal against Manchester United when we, when we won beat them 1-0 and qualified for the knockout stages of the Champions League. That was an amazing goal, but it was that wouldn't have happened if it hadn't been for Arthur Boric's yeah. last gasp penalty save, which you know obviously isn't isn't win, but that gave us the win and that's that's another one for me. It was just that was amazing being being at the stadium that night from yeah. that goal and then that save. So we had saves to this as well, last minute goals, last minute saves. I'm not sure if they're doing it in the DVD, but yeah, we're, we're just changing the rules. <laughs> well, we want you to get involved as well, so send in all your favourite last minute goals and next week we're going to di- discuss them. So send in what your favourite ones are and why and we will get them discussed next week. Um, Paul, is also in the, in the magazine this year, there's, there's plenty of, of great competitions as well for the fans to get involved in, um, one in particular as well with the opportunity to win hospitality. I wonder if you could just detail a little bit more about that. Yeah, well, I mean, every year uh, for the Christmas issue, all of the, the club sponsors have been brilliant in offering prizes and Daffabet uh, have offered us their lounge. So it's basically match day hospitality. Uh, the full works for 10 people. So if you win it, you can invite nine friends. And I think if you win it, you will find that you will have more than nine friends <laughs> are suddenly texting you and, and wanting to go. It's, a, it's an incredible prize. The whole day is, is incredible. It's for the Ross County game. I think it's on March the 19th. So it's round about St. Patrick's Day weekend as well, which would be a brilliant celebration. Um, and all you have to do, there's a question that you have to answer, but also we're asking people to, in 50 words or less, just to, you know, tell us why you think you should be the person to win this prize. We've done it in the past. Alpha Better have been brilliant in terms of offering the prize, and it's I think it's a great day out because it's it's one of those not that money can't buy, it, but basically it's one of those prizes that every Celtic fan would love. So that's great from Daffa Bet. Eden Mill, Intelligent Car Leasing, and Konami have also offered some great prizes as well. Um, so there's there's loads of things that people mm. can run to. Yeah. So make sure you get a copy of the Celtic View, and if, if you can't get ten friends, then you remember me and Paul are here as well, so we can <laughs> we can always come along to that. Um, Paul, we're going to our second interview now. I thought maybe you could you could introduce this one because again, it's another interview that you've done. Yeah, it's with a, a country folk singer based in Ireland called Sina Teal. She's actually from Germany originally, and she lived in Spain and then gravitated to Ireland. Always wanted to be a musician and has, is now establishing herself in the kind of country folk scene in Ireland. Uh, but the reason that we spoke to her was she was part of the 
Celtic FC Foundation sleep out in Sligo. Um, she's raised over, I think, three thousand euros. Um, just she did a bit of busking in Dublin, and she's got all you know various fans have you know donated money. She's recorded a version of Fields of Athena as well. Uh, so it's a really fascinating interview where she kind of talks this wee bit that you'll, you'll hear is just her talking about um, why it was so important for her to support the foundation and how it kind of really resonated with her. Mm-hmm. Let's hear from Sina now. Sina Thiel, welcome to the, the Celtic View. We are recording this just a couple of days after you, you did the sleep out for the Celtic FC Foundation. So I take it you've thawed out after that 24 hours in the, in the Sligo cold. Oh, well, more or less, um, you know, I think my, my feet are a bit numb still, but <laughs> all joking aside, no, it was, it was, it was challenging, um, but it was great atmosphere. Um, everybody, there was lovely, everyone from the Celtic FC Foundation was amazing. So um, it was, it was an amazing experience. Uh, definitely next year, uh, count me in. Yeah, and you did, obviously did a bit of fundraising for it beforehand as well to raise money for the foundation, which I suppose is the, is the main thing that why, why you're doing this. Yeah, and to be honest, we're still going. Um, still lots of contributions are flying in. I say um, that uh, as, as we're doing this interview, we're still going. So I'd say we'll reach uh, €2,500, which I'm so, so proud of within a week's time, basically, um, to raise that amount of money for the amazing project of the Celtic FC Foundation. is just a dream come true. It really is. Yeah, I mean, that is an incredible total, as you say, in, in quite a short space of time. Now you, you're obviously a, a Irish country and Western singer. Did you, did you entertain people during the night? Did you bring your guitar along with you? Of course I did, of course. <laughs> Wherever I go, the hat's always there and the guitar as well. So yeah, I did, I did play a few songs. That was great. Little, little rendition of You'll Never Walk Alone, a bit of grace, because of Athenry, of course. Um, and yeah, there's a song as well that I wrote a little while back inspired by um you know you'll never walk alone kind of that that statement that sense of unity and a family uh within the celtic family you know as they say it's more than a club and that is so so true so i have a song as well called uh you'll never walk alone it's my new album as well or never walk alone it's not my new album as well that i wrote i played that on the night um and yeah here in ireland i'd be kind of within the folk uh country genre and um, yeah, I, I do love my rock music though, and, and a bit of everything. So so yeah. Yeah, so I should say as well, I noticed that you've got uh, is an EP that came out this year called Leaving Nancy. And one of the songs on that is The Fields of Bath and Rise. So Celtic fans, that is obviously a big favourite. So people should check that out. Yeah, and actually that version of Fields of Bath and Rise kind of, it's kind of a Paddy Riley, like very kind of, um, well not acoustic but it's kind of slow there's a lovely sort of bagpipe um, and whistle solo in the middle a nice fiddle there's a version of that uh, of that out as well with the Newbridge Gospel Choir and on the new album actually um, it's called Live from the Town Hall Theatre in Galway uh, which is a concert we performed last uh, December there is kind of a, a rockier version of it as well which I love it's a song that you can play kind of slow and, and thoughtful or that you can really rock out that's what I love about it yeah, and just for anybody who's listening or watching, what is the what is the name of your new album? Uh, it's called Live at the Town Hall Theatre Galway, so Live at the THT, and uh, it will be out very, very soon. Over the summer, I was so lucky that I actually crowdfunded 
for that album after being declined a few grants and I was really at a spot where I said you know what could I do like how can I get this out it's so good I love it it's my favorite work so far what can I do and um, yeah after a few a uh, few frustrations and a few getting turned downs uh, people jumped in and said Sina just crowdfund We're, we have your back we'll help you and and that's really what happened so yeah it's, it's an album that is so special to me um, it will be on all the major download services mid and November. Uh, currently, the pre-order for the physical album can be done already uh, through my page. So uh, rocketfuelhq.com slash Sina minus Teal. And as well, just people can get in touch via Facebook as well um, to, to double check if they like. You know, I love that. The fact that it's such an affirmation of your work, the fact that people are prepared to put their money where their mouth is, even before the record comes out. That, that must give you such a, a real boost, the fact that people are, are really want to hear your stuff. Oh, it really does. Like, I always say it. People will never me know what it means to me that they have my back, that they give me their support, their kind words. I get the loveliest messages, honestly, the loveliest comments. Um, even now with the fundraiser, a lot of people have contributed um, through... My Facebook page, uh, Cena Feel Music, aren't even Celtic fans, but they said, you know what, Cena? like we love that you're doing something for charity. It's a great project and we want to support that. So of course, lots of Celtic fans have got behind me on this, but lots of people as well that just really found the foundation, a great, great establishment and that, that just wanted to support their, their major, amazing projects. That was Sina Teal there. And again, you can read more from that fascinating interview in the Celtic View Christmas edition. So again, make sure you get yourself a copy of that. Now, Paul, I thought we'd just maybe look ahead a little bit because it's it's quite a big week as well for the football club. As you said earlier, it's, it's a really, really busy schedule now for December and going into January. But starting off, we've got a massive game away to, to Bayer Leverkusen on Thursday before we welcome Aberdeen here on Sunday as well. But... The team are going well at the moment. Things seem to be progressing. So we're going into these games with a, a lot of excitement. Yeah, and I mean, I think, you know, if you take the Bayer Leverkusen game, the you think of some of the, the games, the performances we've had away from home in Europe. You know, we're obviously winning in Hungary. We're really unlucky over in Spain against Betis. Probably the toughest game was actually Bayer Leverkusen here. That we when, we, when we took the game to them, we did create chances, but I think they showed their quality that, you know, they, they would really capitalise any mistakes and, and, and the night it was quite a heavy defeat. But I think the way the manager plays, I think we'll go and what I like is that, you know, we're going to go and have a, have a go. We're not going to go and sit in and, and hope to either keep the score down. We're going to go and try and play our football against a, a top, top German side. Mm. It's going to be really tough. I mean, any time we've played over in Germany, it's, it's been really tough. But um, as you say, we'll get into the game full of confidence. That team... A lot of them, that was their first experience of Hamden. They're now in a cup final to look forward to. So I think there'll, there'll be no fear anyway. Mm, and you can't forget, I mean, Leverkusen are doing really well in the, the German league at this moment yeah. in time as well. But it's a big game as well because we want to try and get through to the Europa League knockout stages. We always have European football granted after Christmas, but if we want to get to Europa League, then hopefully we need to try and get a result on Thursday. But with the way the team are playing, then you are going in with confidence. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, it'll be difficult Partly because we're relying on Ferenc Varos beating Betis, which, yeah. given you know from the two games that we played, Ferenc Varos, I, I would say that was really unlikely because mm -hmm. I think Betis are a, a step up from them. But I think the very fact that we're still pushing just now for that second place, 
but certainly the fact that we've now definitely we've definitely got European football after Christmas, which is such a brilliant thing. And you know, knockout football—you just never know. And know. you know, a couple of you know decent performances, a couple of lucky draws, and suddenly you're in the latter stages of that competition. And you know, we've seen it in the past that how the excitement grows with each round that you go through. So I think it just means there's something, there's a lot to look forward to in 2022. Mm-hmm. And on Sunday when we welcome Aberdeen, there'll be a, a lot of emotions around the match as well. It's our first real opportunity at Celtic Park to, to pay tribute to, to Bertie Old. Yeah, I mean, I think it will be an emotional occasion. I mean, it's the, it'll be the Sunday after his, his funeral. I think that, you know, you see the tributes outside the stadium. I, I thought the I thought everything about Hamden as well at the weekend. The whole weekend, so obviously all, all players wear the number 10 in tribute to Bertie. Um, you know, we beat St Johnson, I think, in 1969 in, in the cup final. Bertie scored the only goal, so we, we won one now against St Johnson. The fans display, the chanting... And then obviously Hibs played their part with their number 10 scoring a hat-trick and got them to, to a, a fitting final for Bertie. But, you know, when it's here at Celtic Park, I think it will be very emotional, actually. Um, but I think, you know, when the manager said it before, I think Callum McGregor said it as well, the, the best way that they can pay tribute to Bertie is, is bigging out there and, and winning the game because ultimately, you know, that's, that's what Bertie and his teammates did week in, week out, year in, year out. So... Um, and also just even the fact that you know it's going to be the first chance for us to, to welcome back Scott Brown as well. So it'll be an emotional yeah, occasion in that respect as well. I'm sure for the 90 minutes, all those uh, all that affection for him is put to one side. Which I'm sure really, he'll be the same as well. <laughs> ex- exactly, but I, I think it's in, that, in a way it's quite nice that he's back for a. You know, he spoke really movingly about Bertie as well last week. Mm-hmm. I think that'll cover everything in in this week's edition. Make sure you follow the Celtic View on Twitter so you know exactly when you can get your hands on the magazine when it comes out later on this week. Also, make sure you send in your favourite last-minute goals and we'll discuss them next week as well. And next week as well, we'll we'll look back on all of the fixtures we've just been, been talking about and we'll have plenty more interviews to come as well. But from myself and Paul, thanks very much for listening. Cheers for now. 